Good morning. What a pleasure to be here. You know, this is uh, very interesting for me because most of the time I address the congregation in my own language, native language, so you guys would be in trouble this morning uh, unless you speak Italian. The other thing is, is normally it's smaller churches, maybe 100 people. But better yet, I feel very comfortable when I do some preaching at the prison. That's a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. They have to listen to me. So I just instructed the ushers to stand by the door and don't let anybody out so I feel at home. So you guys cannot go anywhere until at least I'm done. Well, it is a pleasure to be here and uh, definitely speak to you about this series on increase. Uh, I thank Pastor Nicole for giving me this opportunity to talk to you about a part of what God is doing in increasing our church. This is all part of uh, God's move within our church and especially within the last seven, eight months that he has done for us. This is a three-week series. I will start it. Uh, we will be talking about generosity, how God can increase what we are doing already. And my part is going to be about giving. And you know, it's interesting about giving is as soon as we say the word giving, we think about money. And money has been a roadblock for many people within the Christian walk because the enemy can use it for the wrong reason. But giving, as the Lord spoke to us, it isn't just about money. It is about giving everything that he has given to us, from our talents to, of course, money is part of uh, showing uh, love toward God, spiritual gifting, our time. You know, we forget about our time. We live today in a world that we give very little unto the Lord. Uh, so we need to look at all that. It isn't just about money. Increase means to increase everything that we do so that God may be honored through our lives. Money is mentioned in the Bible more than 800 times. So I think God wants to get our attention a little bit about what obstacle money can become to us. But there's blessings in money, which cannot be only worried about or be scared or be afraid of the money that we don't have. We need to look at the blessings that God has put in our lives. I want to put a phrase, if we may, on a the, on the screen. And it is this. The meaning of giving in the Bible is a lot more than just an action. It is an action produced by love, obedience, faith, and understanding the meaning of stewardship. I'm going to read it to you again. It is an action produced by love, obedience, faith, and understanding the meaning of stewardship. See, we want to become better givers, not because it is written. You know, we do a lot of things because God said so. Or the law said it in the Old Testament. And that is wonderful, but 
if we remember what Jesus said, was that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Basically, he came to put the law in our hearts, that we would desire to do what he said in the Old Testament and what he says in the New Testament, not because it's written, but because we have this desire now because of Jesus that we want to glorify him through it. So even with giving, it should not be because he said so. It should be because we desire to. We want to honor God through this giving. In Matthew 5, of course, Jesus talks about that, that he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. A lot of times we say, oh, that's in the Old Testament. Those are things in the Old Testament. Well, that's because we like to pick and choose what we would like to do. So we use that rule as part of the Old Testament. Well, Jesus never talked about not doing what's in the Old Testament. He talked about doing what's in the Old Testament from your heart and not because of legalism and because it's the law. I want to share a little bit with you by telling you a little story how God can use the offerings that people give. Usually, uh, when Bambi and I go to Italy, we try to bring a gift to the church that we visit. We like to encourage them. And we have a, a prayer team and uh, our uh, small group that always gives toward that. So we found out that the House of Prayer in Rome was putting together a conference. And we thought, what a great way to bless this ministry. Because the House of Prayer is not a church. They don't have people that tithe. They don't have people all the time. They give toward them. They really live on faith. And I appreciate that. There's two brothers there that really lead. And one of them always says, I love to run out of money because I like to see what God's going to do next. And the other brother goes, quit praying that way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really interesting because it is true. It's like I get excited when we don't have money. Well, let me tell you this story. We decided to bring an offering to them. So believe it or not, as little group as we are, we put together $1,250 for this conference. So I called them because I knew that they, they don't have a big place. It's a little place where they worship. So they needed a hotel room, the rent, and that kind of stuff. And we wanted to bless them with it. So we, I called them and I said, Emanuele, we just put together $1,250 for you guys for the conference, to help for the conference. And he says to me, let me tell you how God has just provided for us. He said, we had 1,000 euro that three months ago was basically $1,250, the exchange. He goes, and we had to put aside for the conference. But this was three weeks before the conference, and they felt, they knew that there was a church that had financial issues, and they had a need. And they felt that God was saying, Take that thousand dollar, that thousand euro, and give it to that church. He said it was hard to obey when we knew we needed it for the conference, but we prayed about it and we gave it to them. And look what God just did. See what the kind of God we have? We have a God that actually across the sea. 
touched people's hearts that don't know anything about these people, never saw them before, and provided the 1,000 euro for that church. We actually give 1,000 euro to that church. It is wonderful how God does work through those things. I do want to use some scriptures that will tell us a little bit more what God is talking about when he talks about being generous and about being giving. As I stated before, giving is not just about the action of giving money. It is also the act of love. I love the scripture because it really shows how God gives us the best gift ever to show love to us. I mean, he gave us, he showed us love through the greatest gift that he could give us. Uh, if we could put up John 3.16, most of you know that scripture. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, it's interesting. Here I go fixing my ear. Here it is. <laughs> What's interesting is this, that God showed love by giving, by giving his best. So it is a great lesson to us to say, how can we show love? It's by giving. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting that we say, in Italy, they use the expression when they bring a gift, it's a little thought. And here in the United States, we say, it's the thought that counts. You know why? Because it is not the gift. It is the love that you showed. That gift showed love. So God says that gift giving should be out of love from our heart. So the, the first thing that we want to do is make sure that we give out of love. Let's turn to John 15, 13. If we could put that up or if you have a Bible, John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, when I looked at this, I, I think to myself, God challenges us to lay down our lives for him and we have a difficult time giving back what is due to him, our tithes and our offerings. How can we lay down our lives for people when we're not even willing to give out of the blessings that he put in our, in our hands, in our lives? So it is all about love when it comes to, uh, to, to give and to give unto God. Giving is also an expression of obedience. And obedience comes also with faith. They kind of go together. Obedience and faith really do go together. Obedience means to act on a command no matter what the cost may be. Obedience is acting on a command no matter what the cost may be. When God commands us to do something and we want to be obedient, we can't think about what it's going to cost us. We need to just obey. Let's turn to uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 10, 5. If you guys have it in your Bible, we can read it there. And I can't believe that I can read that little writing all the way up there. We demolish arguments and every pretension 
that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's interesting about that is this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. It really says this. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how you feel. You need to take charge of that thinking process. And so no matter how you think, you need to be obedient to God. It doesn't matter what you see with your flesh, what you see with your brain, what you see with your eyes. You need to take it captive. You need to be in charge of that. You need to be stronger than that and say, God, you know what? I'm not going to let my mind or my fears take advantage of what you want to do with me. So I'm going to take captive of that thought and just be obedient to you. So that's what God really asks us to do. Obedience is definitely achieved by obedience is definitely achieved by faith. We cannot become obedient unless we trust God. You know, it's not any different than a child that at a young age obeys a parent, not because he understands what the parent says, it's because he knows it's mom and dad and they're doing for your own good. If they yell because you're running in the street or they say obey this, you do it because it is the right thing to do, not because you can figure out why. So there is trust, there is faith. In obedience, there is definitely trust. So we want to read the scripture that it should really encourage us to have faith in God and to trust him with it. And we find that in Matthew 6 and verse 31 through 34. If we could have that scripture up, Matthew 6, 31 through 34. It says, so do not worry, say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. God knew that possessions would be an obstacle for us and an obstacle to even serve him. Satan wants to use what we have in possession for self-reliance. See, this is where faith comes in. Faith is not self-reliance. Faith is trusting God. This scripture is telling us, don't worry because I know what you need. Your problem is that you go after them, after those things like the pagans do. You know, God calls us pagans when we don't have faith in him. When we don't try, when we worry about what we're going to eat tomorrow or the way God's going to take care of us, he says, you're acting just like a pagan. You're not trusting me. You are trying self-reliance. You are fighting very hard to achieve in life what I should be doing for you. That's what God's really saying here. So we know that God will take care of us if we trust him. He says, if I take care of the fields of the earth, if I take care of the birds of the earth, how much more will I take care of you? But Satan loves to get us to worry about it. You know, I was sharing with Pastor Don the other day that the greatest feeling for me is this. When we first got married, we had a small home that the outside 
way to go into the porch in wintertime. We put a bar and we made it a closet because we didn't have winter cloths, uh, winter closet. Well, I should say a closet for winter clothes. So we would make that and do that. A very small home. It was almost three flights of stairs because it was built like on a hill. So before you got to the first uh, floor, you already had like eight or nine steps. We lived on a second floor, no garage. You're fighting for parking. Then God really blessed us, and we, he gave us a beautiful home. And I was sharing with Pastor Don. I said, you know, what really makes things easy for me is this, knowing that in that little 800-square-foot apartment, we were just as happy as we were in that 3,000-square-foot home that we don't live in anymore because we don't even need that anymore. But it's not that amazing that things don't make you happy. They make you more comfortable. My wife loved to pull in a garage and take the groceries into the kitchen instead of going three flights of steps in the snow. But it doesn't make us any happier. So if I had to return back to that apartment, it would not be the end of the world. That's the peace that God gives us, that things don't make you happy. Jesus is all we need. He really is. Everything else is a plus. Everything else is a blessing from him. So we need to start realizing that we cannot rely on material things for our happiness. I want to talk a little bit about stewardship because I think what doesn't allow us to give sometimes is because we truly don't understand what it means to be a steward. And God refers to us as stewards, never as owners of what he has given us. You never find what you own. It's what you steward over. He calls us stewards, not owners. A steward, and there's a difference between what you do in a stewardship about giving and tithing, and that's what I want to make sure that we understand that this morning. A steward is a person that is entrusted to manage the affairs and goods of another person. He is required to give a certain percentage of the profit that the good produced back to the owner. He does not own the goods. This is important. He does not own the goods, but he gets a certain percentage for his work. A steward can be a giver, but he can't give from what belongs to the master. He must give from what was left to him by his master to use. This is why when we have an offering at church, it must not come from the tithe that belongs to the Lord, but for the money, from the money that the Lord has given us to use, which is 90% of what he has blessed us with. Now, I can really talk about stewardship because I grew up in a place where stewardship was practiced. As a young man in Italy, you, we had landlords. And I'm not talking about a house landlord. They actually own land. They own farms. They own property. And they would give it to a person that they feel that they could trust. And you know, Jesus understood that because that's the way it functions. So when he was talking about stewardship, these people knew what he was talking about. So a landlord would give you a piece of property, a farm, cattle. A lot of times, let's face it, 
the industry brought that we went and worked and, and, and owned, I mean, and uh, earned money. But over 100 years ago, before the Industrial Revolution, about 75 to 80% of the work was farming. People basically farm and provide for the family through farming. Now it's, it's changed. It's about 5 to 10%, I think, it's through farming. But stewardship was this. The, this landlord owned this property. He would call it, say, Silvio, and he would say, tell you what, you take care of my cattle, you take care of my property, you take care of the house, you can live there, you can eat off of it, and depending on the size of the property is how much it would give you. If it was a smaller property, the minimum that you had to give back to the landlord was 50%. Never so below that. So no matter how small the property was, you got 50%, he got 50%. You had 10 cattle, five belonged to him, five belonged to you. You got 50 bushels of grain, 25 were his, 25 were yours. The bigger the farm, the lesser money you got. Because if you got 100 heads of cattle, you don't need 50, you could survive on 10. So you could go on giving back 90% to the landlord. So what Jesus was saying to these people was a pretty good deal, wasn't it? He's saying God only wants 10% back. See, that's why we have to understand the culture and the history because it really can relate to us. We think 10% is a lot. These people were saying, man, what a great landlord God is because he's given us 90% to, to enjoy. And he only wants 10%. And you know what's interesting about God? The 10% he gives it back to us again. The bank did not invent direct deposit. God did. <laughs> that 10%, yeah, give glory to God. That 10% goes automatically in your account in heaven. See, he uses it here on this earth, but it's deposited already. So God's given us 100% no matter what. It should be easy for us to give back what he needs for his kingdom here on earth. That's all it is. What we give is for his kingdom here on earth. So understanding that we don't own what we have, it makes it a lot easier to give back to the Lord. And when we give, you know what would happen? We would say, Thank you, Jesus. You only want 10%. I get to keep 90. So it is very, very important for us to be able to give unto God what he asks us to do and to be cheerful givers. He asks us to be cheerful givers. Jesus really honors us for our generosity, and he keeps on blessing us. We gotta remember this. There are spiritual principles that God applies in the Bible that applies to the unbeliever as much as applies to the believer. Now, salvation is to the believer. That spiritual principle is easy. Unless you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, and you believe that 
His sacrifice on the cross is what brings you to heaven. You're not going to get there. That's a guarantee, though. That spiritual principle guarantees us that if we believe in Christ and we accept that sacrifice, we confess our sins, we are saved. The unbeliever cannot buy that or claim that or anything. But here's one thing that the unbeliever can claim is this. Prosperity. Because he gives. Do you know that a stingy believer may not be blessed even though he's going to heaven? That's a reality of what God says. If you're stingy, guess what? You're going to pay the price. You're still going to heaven, by the way. But you may see somebody that is not a believer that will succeed better than a believer because he applies the right principle about giving. And God does not call us to give only when we have a lot. You know, there's two stories that are very interesting in the Bible, and I'm not going to go through the scriptures. I'm going to tell you where they are. I'm sure that you, you're aware of them anyhow. One is, and it's interesting that it talks about two widows. Widows usually are people that don't have a good life. First of all, they don't have a husband. And back then, they didn't have a lot of income unless the family possibly provide. What God is showing us and really lifting up these two women that were widows. One was in Luke 21, which we know about the two mites that the widow put in the offering, which was everything she had. See, it's not the amount of money. It's the heart attitude toward giving back to God. So she gave everything she had. And God, and Jesus honored her. The other one is even more interesting is the widow that we find in 1 Kings 17, Kings 17, which it talks about the widow that feeds Elijah out of what she had very little. And as a matter of fact, it describes it as such. When Elijah asked to have a meal, she basically said, we only have a little flour and a little oil to bake a little bit of bread and then we can die because these people were already starving to death. Do, do you see some of these pictures in Africa and, and some other countries where the people are barely surviving? So they are malnutrition people. They don't have a lot. So I assume this widow and this young man already were in trouble. She's basically saying, we don't have much longer to live. We only have this little more. And once we eat this, we might as well just close the door and die in here. But Elijah said, basically, trust God. Give it to me. It really was give it to God. See, when a pastor sits up here and says, give, it's given unto God. So Elijah wasn't asking for himself. He was, as, he was saying, if you give to God, God will provide for you. And the story is beautiful because it says she never ran out of flour and oil. What a blessing. Can you imagine? As long as they lived, they never ran out of flour and oil. It wasn't the amount. It was the faith. It was the trust. It was the love that created God to bless them. So when we think about certain amounts, it's not what God is asking us to do, a certain amount. It is for us to give with a cheerful heart of what he has already blessed us with. 
Then I'm going to read you the scripture that I was talking about earlier a little bit that we can see an unbeliever being blessed and a believer not being blessed. God warns us when we try to rely on ourselves instead of relying on God, what will happen to our money? If we could put up Malachi, I'm sorry, Haggai 1, Haggai chapter 1, and we want to look at verse 5 through 9. Here's, here's God's warning to us. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but you see it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Now I would like Declare, now, wait, 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 I'm lost in here. Sorry, guys. I blew it away, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains in ruins, while each of you is busy with your own house. What I thought about this was, a hard we can work and have nothing. Did you ever see someone that maybe makes double what you make? If you make 20, they make 40. If you make 50, they make 100. If you make 100, they make 200,000. But somehow we judge people by what we make. So you see someone and they make double what you make and they don't even have what you have. You know why? Because they're not good stewards and they did not trust God and they did not apply God's principle in their lives. And God says there that he is going to, what you brought home, I blew away. God's going to make it disappear. He does it so that we can learn a lesson. He warns us. He says, you're going to put it in your pocket, and your pocket have holes. You will lose it. It's like throwing money to the wind. Us doing without God, us relying on ourselves, us not being good stewards, us not giving back what belongs to the Lord is like taking our money that we think we work so hard for and just go like this in a windy day. That's what God says. He warns us of that. Then he goes further than that. This is a harsh scripture that I'm going to read to you now. But it's in the word of God. Blame him, not me. You know, he's the one who says it. But here's how he warned the Israelites. This is a God warned the Israelites. Let's look at Malachi 3 and verse 8 and 9. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. It's, it's pretty straightforward. God says, you're taking what belongs to me. 
I heard a preacher one time, he, he was pretty heavy on the scripture. He looked at the congregation. I'm saying what the preacher said. This is, these are not my words, by the way. But he looked at the congregation. He says, some of you drive stolen cars. Some of you live in stolen houses. Some of you have stolen cell phones. They belong to me, and you took them. Those are heavy words from God. You're awful quiet. But you know what? I hope we learn from this this morning. Because God warns us so that we don't suffer. He doesn't warn us to make us pay something. It's so that we can gain from his warning. So these warnings are good things for us. We can't say we did not know. This is bringing about what God wants us to know. A warning that we could fail in life because Satan can deceive us to follow the wrong thing, to follow even the wrong motive. But also God tells us how blessed we can be if we are obedient. So let's look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians and verse 9, chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, listen to this, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the opposite of what we saw in Agai. And Agai was a curse. He says, if you're not obedient, if you don't have faith, and you rely on yourself, you will lose all your money. You will never have anything. It doesn't matter how much you have. You never have peace. You never have anything. Here in 2 Corinthians, God says, if you're obedient to me, you will be blessed. You, I will meet all you need so that you can do what? Abound in every good work. We want to be blessed so that we can bless others. And that is what it's important. I appreciate Pastor Daniel. So you need anything before I was coming up? She goes, you need any water? I said, at my age, you carry a bottle because you get dry really fast. So here it goes. <laughs> so God shows us also how we can be blessed by being obedient unto him. I came from a Catholic background, and I was a change giver. When the basket came around, change that I had in my pocket, sometimes if it felt like there was too many change, I wouldn't even give it all, you know, maybe half the change. So you're looking at a person that did not grow up with tithes and offerings. You're looking at a person that was very cheap. And it was hard for me to understand tithe. It was really hard. And I was with my family last night that some of you saw on Facebook. We get together once a month with my brothers and sisters. It's a great time. And uh, somebody said, you know, I heard somebody that gives $100 a week to the church. They're all Catholic and just like me or some of them give more. I, I got to say that. I don't know what they give. But they were impressed by this $100 a week. And I thought, 
I know people that give a couple hundred dollars a week or $300 a week. So it's not a surprise. But to someone like me that grew up in a, in a, in a Catholic church by giving change, $100 a week, you got to be crazy. When I start tithing, I would not tell my family I was tithing because they thought, you're crazy. Or I need it more than the church needs it. That would have been their answer. <laughs> Give it to me. I need a new car. So I want you to understand where I come from so that you don't feel like, oh, he's really letting me have it this morning. No, I went through that struggle myself in trying to obey God and tithing. But you know what? God is gracious. God is patient. And he honored my promise that I made. Now, it doesn't mean you have to do it that way. I hope if you don't tithe, you will start tithing today, and you won't go the way I did. I tested God. I said to him, we were on 32nd and Liberty Street at the time, and I said to God, I tell you what, this week, I'm going to give you $5. If I'm okay, now, we're talking also 37 years ago, so it was, it was more than $5 today, all right? But I said to the Lord, I'll give you $5, and if I'm okay, I'm going to double it next week. Guess what? I was okay. I never felt it. Well, now it, it goes the pain of giving $10. You know what? I was able to double every week until I tied, which it came very fast. And the Lord showed me through that process that I was not hurting at all. I was able to do it. And you know, when we say, I can't manage, <clears throat> I can't do it, I have taught this in my class, which was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, first things first, many times over, about giving. That was a hard one. I was sharing with Pastor Don yesterday. Two chapters in that, in that class was very hard. One was, women be submissive to your husband. That was a tough one every time we had it. got to understand, we had a lot of new people coming into the church and tried to tell a woman about submission under God's ways. And the other one was about tithing. But you know, the Lord gave me a, a real release on that by just saying, examine yourself why you don't tithe. Because if I'm going to make you feel guilty about tithing, is not a good thing. If you're going to give and you're not cheerful, it's not a good thing. So my challenge this morning, if you're not a giver or a tither, starts with tithing, and maybe you can tithe, but you cannot give, ask the Lord, actually tell the Lord why you're not doing it. Be honest with yourself, though. You have to say, why don't I give or why don't I tithe? And you'll find out that maybe you don't trust God, and it's okay. I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I don't trust you. That's what it is. Can you help me? Or I can go to the Lord and say, I'm stingy. You know, I just don't like to give money. Lord, can you help me? God would love to hear us saying, Lord, I need help because this is a stumbling block for me. So go to God with that, and that will make a difference. Or you may say, I'm afraid I can't pay my bills. And test God. God says to test him. Isn't that interesting? The only place that God talks about test me is where? About money. So say, God, you know, I, I'm afraid I can't pay my bills. My, my answer to you on this is this. Maybe it'll make your life a little easier. If the federal government tomorrow decides you got to pay an extra 
you would have to do it, wouldn't you? You would have to do it. It's not that you can do it. You would have to do it. So somehow we will come up with that money. That's a challenge for me to you that at times we have to be honest with God. We may fear that we don't have enough money. We may not have faith. We might have been brought up a little stingy. Whatever it is, go to the Lord and say, Lord, help me get through that. This has been a tough one on me, and I need to prevail over this thing because God wants to bless you. Now, what I would like to do is this. I have spoken to you about your role in stewardship. Now, I have to talk about us. And what I mean by us is council, the staff, people that work up here. What is our part in stewardship? It's important that as we speak about money, we will be an example to the congregation. We are a family, but just like a mom and a dad need to set the example, definitely us as the leaders of the church need to set an example. So I want to tell you where we are, where we come from in the last seven, eight months to, to tell you a little bit what God is doing and what we are doing as stewards of what God brings in. We started the last October, and I remember the last time I was up here, that, I was more nervous then to speak to you than I am today. Isn't that funny? I can speak about money and you're supposed to give money than to say to you, we have failed you a little bit. And that's what it was. It really was that. So since last October, we were back then $80,000 in debt with outstanding bills, with no money to pay, and we had to give the electric company a $12,000 kind of bond to keep the electricity on, or they would have shut it off because we were not paying our bills. This is where we were in October of last year. And with gratitude to our Lord, I can say today that he has provided through you with giving and tithes, through an increase in attendance, and with us being good stewards, that we can support our church with what comes in with no problem whatsoever. So praise God, we are at that point. It is. We as council, me as an administrator, and everybody that's worked together very hard and giving and being good stewards. We renegotiated every contract that we had. And I have to say that we got a good deal on every contract that we renegotiated, uh, from garbage to insurance, you name it. We renegotiated everything, and we got some great results there. The other thing is this. Volunteers have helped in a tremendous way. Now, we're going to show some pictures, but forgive me if I didn't have time to take a picture of you as volunteers. But this has made a big difference in this family. We have put together teams of volunteers that I'm talking about. They come every week. You could just go ahead and uh, uh, move the, th this is a drain that was giving us trouble by the school. Betty Lou, you'll be happy to know that the kids will not be uh, 
passing water anymore. But we're doing all this through volunteers. They come every week. We're talking about here, a team at the summit. Every week, they come and clean. They come and do maintenance. And you don't know what a blessing it is to me. Because I said to the Lord in October that I really wanted to give a year of my life to this church. So I have a responsibility. You didn't. So when you come as a volunteer, even though I'm a volunteer, you're helping me. You really are. You're making my life easy. So I praise God for each one of you. Thank you. That shows up here and works hard. The other thing that I'm impressed with, nobody complains. And I mean it. Nobody complains from this church. I've had so many people approach me and say, there is an issue here. And they were not saying it to show me the issue. You know what they were saying? What can I do? I mean, it was wonderful. A lady came and says, a sink is put in best shape. Can I buy you the sink while you put it in? I mean, that is wonderful. The doors need to be painted. Somebody says, man, there's doors that need to be painted. I'll go get the paint and I'll paint them for you. There was some, some flowers to be put. This, this is a good story. This is a God works. Somebody called the church and says, you know, it looks kind of a little bit bad in some areas. Would that be okay if I come and put some flowers in and maybe some bark? Because we skipped some of those things this year. And I said, man, you don't have to ask. You know, just come up and do it. So I saw him on Sunday, and I said, I really want to thank you for taking care of that matter. He goes, I didn't have to. Somebody beat me to it. I was already done. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way God works, you know? So it's been very encouraging to us. We're acting as a family. The people that are coming up here with a loving heart, with a smile on their faces. By the way, I, I was not looking. Did we go through some of the scriptures? Did you, did you guys get to see? These are people that love the Lord, love this church, love this congregation, and they have done that. Now, these other pictures here is where our problems is. And that's where my challenge to you is going to be. Volunteers cannot do this work. So we are in a position where we need to ask us for help, all of us. Remember what I said, you go to the Lord and be truthful about it and he will bless you. I'm going to be truthful with you. It was bad stewardship on our part that our facility looks like that. But we have changed. See, that's what God likes to have, a changed heart and a changed person. It's not just in a person. It is also in the church. We have changed. These are things, light poles. That thing there was so rusty, and we're finding out, I mean, they're falling apart. Now, if we fix them, it might cost us $100 a base to get them re-welded and repainted, comparing to we're just replacing one light pole. It's going to cost us like $1,600, $1,700, and we're doing the work. So what we're going to ask this morning, in the pew in front of you, I hit it because I thought, if you see this, you're going to say, it's all about money, and it isn't. It is about a family coming together and taking care of God's church. In the pew in front of you, where the notes are, you're going to find this. And what this is, it's a commitment card. We would like for each one of us to make a commitment 
to take care of those matters. Now, we have matters that would cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you know what? God has been gracious because we've been praying and he's extending the life of things that should have went a long time ago. Uh, Gory Cray, I praise God for him. He's been keeping those units going like crazy. You wouldn't believe it. The poor guy, snow, night, he goes up there and fixes them. And, and they should have been replaced. They're 30 years old, most of those units. But God is extending the life of the things that cost a lot of money. And I believe that he will supply those in the next few years that we can deal with it. Three areas are the roof, the parking lot, and of course, the units. All the units that you see that bring electric and heat. We have carpeting. We just found a gentleman that's gonna come in and he's gonna reseam these things. See, God is good. He's gonna be able, he said, I really believe that I can fix them for you. I said, can you get us another two or three years out of it? He said, I think so. So God has been good that with a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, we can extend the life of some of these things. These are miracles that are happening. But there are a lot of things that, a lot of little things that we could really use a commitment to be able to do it. Now, in this card, you will find that there is a one-time commitment. We don't want to put anybody in a box. It can be a weekly commitment. It could be a monthly commitment. It is already on uh, direct deposit for some of you, that there is a facility thing. As a matter of fact, I appreciate a couple of guys, a couple of people, I should say. It wasn't just, when I say guys, I mean men and women. A couple of people came and said, what can we do about the facility? They sold the way it was. And I said, well, in, a, in about a month, we're going to start a little bit of a capital campaign type thing. But you know what? They already started giving a month ago toward that. And, and it's neat that they're coming to us instead of us saying, can you help us? So God has been good about being encouraged. So you will see this card. And later, later we're going to take a, uh, a normal offering. And you can mark this card. And what this will do is this. will give us an idea on what we're going to be able to do. We will not do anything because of these cards. We will do it when the money comes in. This has been some of the issues we have dealt with in the past, where commitments were made, the money was spent, the money did not come in. That's not good stewardship. We are going to spend money that we have. So this commitment will give us an idea possibly in what to plan to do. So it is only on a piece of paper. Don't be afraid of it. Pray that what I share with you this morning will put in your heart with faith and trust that God will provide it. It won't be you, but it will be God. Just like those guys in Italy had to be obedient to that 1,000 euro, not knowing where it would come from, sometimes we have to be obedient that way. So this is what you can do. You can mark it. My wife and I, this was about seven, eight years ago, felt that whenever the church gives an opportunity for us to give, that we would give. It's just made for us. I pray that our whole church becomes that way. And it's not because we're some kind of great Christians, but what it is is 
we want to participate in everything that God does in a church. Now, sometimes it's only a few dollars. Sometimes maybe a hundred dollars. But whoever comes up here and asks for an offering, we participate. I think the fault with the church has been many times, I only got five bucks. We'll take you five dollars. It's not a problem. So people think they have to have a lot of money to give. Remember about the mites, the two mites? That's what it was. So I pray that each one of us can make a commitment, even if it's a cup of coffee. It will show to the Lord that we're willing to start where he wants us to go. So if you would mark that and put it in the offering, or if you want to pray over it and you want to bring it back next week, you can. Pastor Nicole is going to uh, touch a little bit more about this. Uh, So this is where we are. We want to be good stewards, us as leaders, and you as part of the family, and we want to take care of that congregation. We don't want the Lord to say, you have not taken care of my house. You have been worried about your own house, and my house is in shambles. And again, it is not your fault. When I was preparing this, the Lord really put in my heart, you're going to ask them to examine their heart why they don't give. You need to be honest why we are in the situation that we are. It was poor stewardship on our part. And so I thank the Lord that he has changed our hearts and our attitude toward that. So if the ushers would come forward, I would like to, uh, for us to pray over the offerings. And the way I would like to pray, there is, you also received this today. I think it's a great prayer. We didn't know where to enter it, and uh, Pastor Don thought, well, you know, you must have known what I was talking about because he did not know what I was going to say, but this prayer really covers what we spoke about this morning. And so if you will pull this out, I want us to pray it together because it's for all of us. So if you will pull this out and let's pray it together, and uh, then we'll receive the offering. And you're also going to see some videos of uh, some testimony about about giving. So if you have this out, let's pray together aloud. Lord, I pause to proclaim to you that I know you are the sovereign ruler of the universe. I also know you are aware of all my needs. Provide me with a fresh awareness of blessings from you. I need your help so that I can trust you more. I will take you at your word and commit to obeying the scriptures. Show me how and where you ask me to give. Keep my life free from the love of money. Teach me to give without the fear of running out of your supply. I wait in anticipation to see what you will do next in my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.